Welcome to Voices of E-Learning, reflecting the people living and breathing the future of education and online learning with your host, J.W. Marshall. Hello and welcome everyone to today's episode of Voices of E-Learning. I'm your host, J.W. Marshall with MarketScale, and we're glad that you found us today. We've got a great episode planned for you today focusing on financial literacy, and our guest is Rhonda Ashburn, the Executive Director at AFSPA Education Foundation. Rhonda, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. And to get started, if you could give our audience a little bit of background on yourself and on AFSA Education Foundation and um, your programs, that would be a great way to start before we jump into some questions. Sure. So I am a longtime uh, nonprofit professional. I've been in that arena for many years since I graduated from Oklahoma State University and moved to the Washington, D.C. area have always been passionate about financial education. And in fact, I got interested in fourth grade. I joined 4-H and selected consumer education for a project. I think that was because already my mom was teaching me things like the difference between needs and wants, the importance of savings and other concepts related to uh, financial education. So I quickly learned that consumer education relates to everything or, or almost everything in our lives. And I saw the value of it, um, whether it be from purchasing decisions all the way to um, the responsibilities of consumers. So um, that's the short bio, JW. Perfect. Um, and tell us a little bit about um, the AFSA Education Foundation. So the AFSA Education Foundation is actually 30 years old. This year we're celebrating our 30th anniversary. It began in 1990. Our mission is focused on teaching money management skills to people of all ages, but primarily we work with middle, high school, and college students through our online personal finance program called MoneySkill. It was one of the first, if not the first, online curriculum created, and it's been, uh, it, it's evolved with the time. So we're constantly updating, as an example, through the work with you all, producing 38 videos to enhance the curriculum. In addition to many skill, the foundation also oversees two management development programs. So those are focused on teaching AFSA member employees leadership development skills, management skills, uh, you know, topics such as ethics, time management, coaching, etc. So those are our primary focuses. And just to back up a step, ASFA is, uh, though we've thrown around the term, that's the American Financial Services Association. Um, and this is the Education Foundation. Maybe even talk a little bit about, um, you know, the number of members or some of the, you know, kind of key members that you have and how you work uh, with those members. AFSA stands for American Financial Services Association, and it is a trade association. So the foundation is a separate arm, a separate nonprofit, what's referred to as a 501c3. But AFSA members come from a variety of areas. The highest percentage of 
members are in the vehicle finance space. There are also members that are serving as installment lenders. Some are in the credit card arena, and then others are in mortgage. All AFSA members are providing credit to American consumers. And that's a great lead into my next question. Why is financial literacy needed now more than ever? And how can money skills provide a no-cost option for schools, parents, and nonprofits? Research continues to highlight the benefits of financial education. And we know that better financial decisions um, and increased financial security are a result of having that learning. So it's interesting to me, there are only 21 states that require high school students to take a course in personal finance. So if I had my dream, everyone would take a course, but um, that's certainly a work in progress. But just to give you an idea with a statistic, um, the FINRA Foundation does a national capability study, and FINRA is, stands for Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. And in their basic financial literacy quiz within the U.S., there's only a third of individuals that can answer at least four of the five questions. So that gives you an idea of how great the need is. They also have studies that show that young adults have significant improvements in their credit scores and reduced delinquencies when they are implementing the rigorous standards that are in the state's having you know, a higher level of rigor. So it speaks to the value of those standards. And actually on our website at afsaef.org, you can access Money Skill and a map with the state standards. We know that we've seen increased interest this year. Part of that's due to more online learning. We've had 26% more teachers, 28% more students enroll in Money Skill. And we know that school systems are often limited on what they have in their budgets for curriculum. So we're happy to offer many skill free to teachers, homeschool parents, nonprofit leaders, and others. I've actually had school systems tell me that similar products have a $5,000 value. So the value's there. I'm, I'm partial. I mean, we feel like it's a great resource. There are 37 different modules that teachers can customize and choose what they want to offer. We drive our enhancements and improvements based upon what the teachers tell us. So annually, we offer a survey to the teachers to get their feedback and input on what's working and what's not working. This year, 100 of the survey participants, I should say 100%, said that they would use the curriculum again. In fact, one teacher said, it's the best out there, period. So that was great feedback. But we're constantly improving it, making it better. Teachers can access it, as I said, on our website. It's available free. We do ask that they complete the registration form. We want to ensure that they are a teacher. Um, and probably important to note, it's adaptable for both middle and high school. So 12 of the modules 
are specifically highlighted as middle school modules. So you, the teacher can select that. It's also good for all curriculum areas. Uh, you know, we work quite a bit with career and technical education, um, such as family and consumer sciences, but also economics, social studies, math, the list just goes on. Basically, wherever teachers want to provide personal finance, money skill is a great option. It's online, ready to go. It is not uncommon for teachers to use it as an, a project-based assignment as well. Um, it's it's because of the being online, it is mobile friendly. Students can also use it on, you know, a phone or an iPad, whatever the teacher prefers. In addition to the curriculum, we have other digital resources to complement that. Um, in fact, we recently produced a guide that has close to 400 activities that teachers can use online to supplement the curriculum. The activities are aligned with the different uh, 37 modules that we offer. So we did that recognizing that the need was great for educators during the pandemic. And it's a, a great resource that we want to get out there. We've collaborated. Other partners that are offering tools are a part of that effort as well. So as you can tell from the long answer, JW, I'm passionate about it. And sometimes we feel like it's the best kept secret. So thank you for giving us this opportunity today to get the word out. Absolutely. And and we couldn't believe more in, you know, financial literacy uh, as well at market scale, and that's why we're happy to help get the word out. Um, you have had over a million students take the, the course, um, so there is definitely a lot of traction with it, but we want to see even more. Why are instructors really attracted to money skill? I think it's because teachers are attracted to the fact that it's ready to go, it's easy to administer. It's not uncommon for teachers in the personal finance space to be overwhelmed by the number of topics. I mentioned we have 37 modules ranging from budgeting to investing, and you can't be an expert in every one of those areas. So Money Skill offers the content to teachers, and they don't have to be experts in those areas. They can use the curriculum with the students, and then where they are strong or where they have additional information, they can provide that and use our resources to complement it. There is a study that PwC did called Bridging the Financial Literacy Gap, Empowering Teachers to Support the Next Generation. They released the results in 2016, and it actually concluded that educators need more support to teach financial skills. It highlighted that teachers don't feel comfortable teaching the financial education concepts. They need curriculum. They lack qualifications. The take-home materials are needed. And they feel that financial education is not seen as a critical skill for college and career readiness. So to me, money skill is a solution for all of those problems that they outlined in their survey. Absolutely. And so what do you think is holding back uh, teachers uh, from being more interested in money skill? Uh, do you have any insights considering your many years of experience? So you're saying I'm chronologically gifted, JW, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, I think it goes back to the degree of difficulty for the 
content areas. I mean, I know if I were asked to present on investing, I would not be as confident in that area as I am in budgeting. And there's a pretty wide range between those two topics and then throw in all the other financial education uh, content in between those two, um, you know, from owning a home, retirement, uh, income expenses, savings. I mean, the list just goes on and on. And so it's, it's, it's hard to prepare appropriately. And I think that's one of the reasons that sometimes teachers get scared and they need additional support. And sadly, sometimes it's not where they volunteer, but more they've been appointed and they haven't been given much advance notice. So there's also stress to get up and running quickly. And to be frank, as a nonprofit, we're, you know, we're, we don't have a huge marketing budget. So we're limited on what we can do to get the word out without spending, you know, a huge amount of money. So we're relying on our nonprofit network, other collaborators, resources such as the videos we're creating with you all, different tools to um, effectively and efficiently promote many skill. Absolutely. And, and our listeners uh, range from uh, K-12 administrators to uh, higher ed administrators and uh, a large network of business leaders. And this is certainly something, uh, no matter what your role, that you can speak with your uh, school, your local school or your children's school um, about this resource because it's a, it's an easy sell, I would imagine, to uh, a, a principal or to a district because it is, you know, at no cost for the school. Definitely. And just to highlight the difference that MoneySkill has made, we actually conducted research with Dr. Lou Mandel years back. And as a result of that, we were able to ascertain that there's a 50-point difference between the pre and the post tests that the students take. So we feel like that statistic alone is important to share with administrators and teachers so that they know it truly is making a difference based upon the evidence that we saw through that study. And we are doing additional research and we'll be coming out next year with some results that are exciting. So it is, it is a proven effective tool for educators uh, in the personal finance space. Absolutely, and I would imagine that there are some advantages of using money skill, especially in the pandemic environment. Um, there's an enhanced need for digital resources. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what you've seen as far as an increase in usage here in 2020. Well, we've seen 26% more teachers and 28% more students enroll for this year comparing, you know, the time period to last year. So it's been a large increase and we're happy about that. It's been a challenging time and I think Money Skill provided a solution for homeschool parents, teachers that, you know, back in February and March did not see this coming. So we've been able to offer a tool that's ready to go and simple to administer. That's great. And so many 
education technology companies have given some free access for a limited time, um, I would imagine a lot of the percentage growth of your uh, users uh, are happy to know that this isn't just a short-term free option for them. This is something that they can use uh, for years and years into the future. Definitely. It, we will always offer it for free to schools, um, and that's important to us. And that's a result of AFSA members being generous to start an endowment years ago. That's great. I want to shift gears just a little bit to kind of the bigger picture Considering your experience with financial education or initially with consumer education, what have been some of the trends uh, that you've seen develop uh, over the years? Early in my career, I oversaw another peer education program that focused on nutrition, fitness, and self-awareness. And I think many of the developments in the nutrition arena are similar to what we're now seeing with financial education. So many years ago, if you think back, we didn't have apps with calorie counters and we weren't as focused as consumers reading labels to see, you know, how many sugar grams there are. We didn't practice things like 10,000 steps a day or even know that that was a good rule of thumb. And I think I've seen in my over 30 years in the nonprofit world, um, with financial education administration in that arena, there are similar things that are now happening with financial education. So it's becoming more holistic. There's more apps, there's more organizations addressing it. There's many, many resources out there. And of course, we know from our day-to-day activities that the need is great. We obviously haven't resolved all the issues. I sometimes share, and not to brag on myself, but just to kind of help get the picture here. So when I applied for my role back in 2016, I went through two phone interviews, two one-on-one interviews, two group interviews, two presentations, and a background check. And at one point during all that process, I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to make a difference? Because there is so much out there in the financial education space. And I was like, wait a second. Yes, there are a lot of tools. There are a lot of resources, less curriculum, but we still have all these problems as a society. And I feel like financial education is a solution to many of those problems and I was just blessed to get to be given this opportunity because our curriculum is vetted. It is robust. It is based on, you know, guidance from subject matter experts. And most importantly, it's driven by what teachers tell us, what they need, what's working, what they like, you know, and, and what they're hearing from their students. So uh, just to summarize that, I think we will continue to see more financial education trends, more things in that arena, similar to similarly to what we've seen with nutrition and fitness. And I think that's good. And we'll continue to look more at the individual holistically, what things, you know, is stress a driver? What are the things that are getting them to the position where they are? And not looking at things just you know, with tunnel vision, but more 
broadly and trying to consider all the pieces of the puzzle, if you will. So um, the bottom line is it's, it's, it's complex. Yeah, and it seems like a really great foundational curriculum. There's a lot of other apps out there that are great, but they seem to be maybe a narrower focus, um, whereas Money Skill really does lay that foundation across all or many of the fin- financial literacy areas so that students would come out of the program able to better leverage those apps or know which ones are good and which ones aren't um, and how to leverage things. Like I love the example of uh, you know, a uh, bulk discount isn't always uh, more affordable than uh, a smaller quantity. You really have to look at the price per ounce or the price per, uh, you know, uh, uh, quantity. And so it seems like uh, this actually works really well in conjunction with all of the other new apps and, and things that are coming out. It does. It complements what's out there and provides students with a good solid foundation to build upon and we know you constantly have to learn it's not a one-shot thing you've got to stay up to date and and practice what you've learned and change your behavior that's the end result it takes uh looking at what you're doing with your behavior and changing the things that aren't correct absolutely and i also really love that it's not just what to know it's really why it's important as well. And I think that's probably what teachers really uh, value as well. There's real world problems and solutions, and there's a real why behind uh, the program so that students aren't just uh, learning another skill uh, to learn it. They really do see why this is important now and in the future um, and how to keep learning, as you said, as as, they're, as they progress. Um, of course, uh, the Voices of eLearning podcast, uh, you know, listeners are, are wide in range, um, different stakeholders of eLearning. How do you think we can help consumers shift into the next generation of financial stability? I think we need to approach it collaboratively. That's one of my favorite words. Collaboration in this arena is critical. It takes different stakeholders all sitting at the table Individually, we have to advocate for for financial education at all levels. So I think it's a given. I mean, obviously, it's needed in our society. But I think the pandemic has really put a spotlight on a teachable moment. We know that financial education is important. But as an example, let's just take the concept of emergency savings. That's something that those of us in this arena have been teaching for years. But the pandemic put a spotlight on it. I mean, for several months now, you know, some people have been in need of an emergency savings account. Now, they're much more open to understanding that concept now than prior to the pandemic because for some it hadn't hit home you know they hadn't had a real life experience so sometimes that's the time when students can best get it or have that aha moment when there's something to directly relate it to but i think also keeping it simple i was fortunate enough in my career to work for the national foundation for credit counseling and we had a fairly large effort on financial stabilization for Americans. And it was based just on a three-step process. So 
I mentioned that example simply because I think sometimes we overcomplicate things and for consumers, especially adults that are time starved, you know, they're trying to keep the lights on at home, they're living paycheck to paycheck. We need to be able to offer them bite size chunk information, um, as we say in, in this space. So that's something to be mindful of. And as educators, we can't emphasize that enough. I think that it takes personal responsibility, though. We all have to be a part of the solution. Interestingly, within Money Skill, we offer it, you know, both in English and Spanish. It's it's a wonderful curriculum available for free. I mean, the list goes on for the benefits. But one of the things I lack about many skill is a reality check that we offer. The students are able to go in and check off what they want to do in their career, um, what they, you know, anticipate their cost of living will be, etc. And then at the end, it's gives them the results. So helps them understand that, you know, a very small percentage of people go on to be professional football players. Uh, I use the example, you can't always be a teacher and drive a Porsche. And, and so simple things that students can see what the true reality of the situation is and check in on what they're envisioning so that they don't get a rude awakening later and can be more realistic. I love that. And that's so important, not just for our students, but for all of us. Um, and I would imagine in the pandemic, a lot of parents are helping their students, uh, their children, students through uh, the curriculum and probably learning a few things uh, as well. So uh, this is definitely a phenomenal resource. Typically at this point in the podcast, as we wrap up, um, a lot of our guests will uh, have a special promotion, 30% off, things like that. Here's your special promotion for uh, this one. It is 100% free for all of my listeners. Uh, so definitely uh, talk with your local schools uh, and get this in the hands, get this information in the hands of the administrators to uh, take a look at implementing for the spring. Um, Rhonda, thank you so much for your passion for this uh, subject and for your time and joining us today. You're welcome. I appreciate the opportunity. And I, I would just add, JW, of course, we're working with the instructors that can access uh, the students, but we also collaborate with the Jumpstart Coalition for Personal Financial Literacy. I serve on their board. And there is a site called Check Your School. So if you want to go in and see your, if your school does offer financial education, just go to checkyourschool.org. And if they are not currently offering it, I hope you will consider Money Skill because it provides a high quality resource for educators. Absolutely. So thank you again to Rhonda. Thank you again to all of our listeners. We appreciate you listening every week. Check out some past episodes of the podcast, and we'll look forward to you on a future episode. Thanks again and always keep learning.